Welcome to the Westside Investors Network, WIN, your community of investing knowledge for growth. This is the Real Estate Professionals Investing Podcast for real estate professionals by real estate professionals. This show is focused on the next step in your career, investing. Thank you for listening. And please, if you like our content, rate us on your podcast provider. And now your hosts, AJ and Chris Shepard. Hi, this is Chris Shepard. Just a disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are for educational purposes only. They should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any shares or securities, make or consider any investments, or take any other actions. Thank you and enjoy the show. Just wanted you all to be aware there is a little bit of foul language in this podcast. So there's your disclaimer. Enjoy the show. Today, we've got Steve Sims on the podcast. Steve is the author of the best-selling book, Bluefishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. We'll be talking about his philosophies and methods on how to make things happen today. He also shares on how to offer a win-win solution in any situation and how any successfully-minded person learns from their failures. So let's welcome Steve Sims. All right. Thanks, Steve, for coming on. Steve Sims is the author of Bluefishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. Steve, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Oh, truth. All right, I'll give you the condensed version. Left school <laughs> at the age of 15, straight into my father's construction company. Like all entrepreneurs, got kind of aggravated thinking, is this it? You know, is this, is this my life? You know, there's got to be something better. So I went on a journey of working for a lot of companies, a lot of individuals that I was ill-qualified for, couldn't tolerate. So basically, in and out of jobs like you wouldn't believe. And then finally, in my worst, my worst moment came my greatest light. I ended up working on the door of a nightclub thinking, my God, I've come out of a construction firm and now my job is to slap people. You know, that was, the, that was it. And so I thought, you know, I've gone, I haven't gone up, I've gone down. But the funny thing was, from that front door, I got to watch humanity. I got to watch body language. I got to see the psychology of people, how they interacted, who thought they were better than others, who were very, very affluent, but very, very calm. I got to see all these different kind of people. And I got my PhD from that door, you know, on seeing how people acted. I thought to myself, okay, I want to hang around with rich people, not poor people. Why? Because I was poor. I knew what being poor was like, and it's shit. And there's no <laughs> one in the planet that's ever said, Ah, poor life, that's fulfilling and humbling and loving. Bollocks, it's crap, it's horrible. So I wanted to associate with people that were very affluent to quite simply be able to turn around and go, look, why are you affluent and I'm not? So I started closing down the bar early and I started throwing private parties and I became pretty good at it. And my talent or stupidity, one of those two, I always think they're pretty close was that I never knew when to stop. I never knew when to settle. So I went from throwing little parties in the back of clubs to working for Sir Elton John's Oscar party, the Grammys, the Kentucky Derby, the New York Fashion Week, the biggest events in the planet. Just wanting to see, okay, how far can I take this? But not because I wanted to be a brilliant party promoter, not because I wanted to be an exceptional concierge or wish fulfillment or whatever you want to call me, I wanted it to be used as an excuse to be sitting in a room with a billionaire and to be able to go, hey, John, why are you filthy rich and I'm not? 
And that was it. <laughs> that is awesome. I absolutely loved your book. I know my brother Chris loved it as well. Chris, you there? Yes, I am right here. I'm very excited for this interview. And I didn't know you had a PhD. What was your <laughs> PhD in? Like, how did you fill it, fit in a PhD in the wild gallivanting? <laughs> well, the, PH, the PhD came from the street of working on the door. I never got a graduation or a certificate or an invoice for it. So I learned, I, learned, I got my PhD, my doctorate, my MBA, whatever you want to call it, for working on the streets and really getting out to understand what made people tick. And more importantly, what people were scared of. Fear, fear terrifies people into becoming static and stagnant. And stagnant things die. So I didn't have that fear. So I, I got my, my education from what people really wanted rather than what they told me they wanted. Ah, I love it. I love it. Okay, so why don't you kind of break down your philosophy a little bit? I like having read the book and you know, I, I feel like I've got a pretty good idea of it, but if you could just let us know the pillars of, you know, your your philosophy and how that can help somebody in the kind of their everyday life. Well, you got to start from the beginning of why the book you know, I launched the world's first experiential concierge for millionaires and billionaires. So I didn't need the book to make money. I was literally in a party, uh, speaking with a girl. She ended up working for one of the largest publishing houses in America. She said, you should write a book on the rich and powerful and celebrities that you work with around the planet. And I said, no, I can't do that because if I did, I'd be dead by cocktail hour. So <laughs> a little bit later on, I did a speech for a friend of mine called Joe Polish and someone heard that speech that knew this girl and said, Hey, didn't you say something about this Steve Sims guy? I saw him on stage and she came back to me and she went, hang on a minute. Instead of talking about the rich and famous and powerful people you do, which would let's be serious, would be an ego book. You know, look at me. I know Elton John. Look at me. I know Steven Tyler. Woo woo. I'm so fucking awesome which would be a waste of time to anyone reading it. She said, why don't we do a book on how a bricklayer from East London did this with the Vatican and did this with Andrea Bocelli and did this with Guns N' Roses and you know, did this with Elon Musk. You know, get the idea of how you worked. And I often believe I'm a blunt instrument, not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I've never been fearful of that. And so what I do, I go for impact. Doesn't have to be pretty. A hammer's not pretty. But if I hit you with it, I've created impact. So I went for stuff that worked. The way I marketed, the way I branded, the way I messaged, I focused on tonality. I became really fascinated with the world of branding and marketing and just how shit people were at it. So I started focusing on those things. So when I got the chance of doing a book, selfishly, one, I got paid a bucket of cash to actually write the thing. Two, if anyone read it, they would hopefully change the way that they created relationships and how they communicated with people to basically be more of the kind of people that I wanted to hang around with. So it was two selfish reasons, the money and creating a world I wanted to live in. I didn't expect it to take off. I really didn't. The book came out just under three years ago. 
as you already said, Bluefish and the art of making things happen. It's been translated and been a number one seller, not number one, bestseller, let's be accurate, <laughs> bestseller in Korea, China, Thailand, Vietnam, all translated into those languages. It got released in Poland and sold out all of its printed copies in two hours. Wow. And it's currently being translated into Russian. So I'm expecting my Russian clients to go, there's me. That's me. That was me. He did that for me. So I'm expecting those things, but I haven't, I haven't mentioned any names. But it just took off. And so now I train, I coach, I, I travel the planet, I do events. I've got Sims Distillery, which is my inner circle. So it's just thrown me into a whole new world where I basically get a hold of people shake them up, challenge their beliefs, challenge their goals and aspirations, get them uncomfortable, and then spit them back out into the planet to be more impactful. I love the challenging of the status quo. That is just, the, it's such an amazing theme throughout the book. And so for one of our, or like for any of our listeners, what is your exact method of challenging that reality or challenging, you know, whatever someone's doing every day and how do you go about that how do you ask the right question to like should i be doing this thing that i do every day well you've answered it yourself what do you do and what do you get you see i'm a great mm -hmm. believer that if it doesn't move the needle i'm not doing it you know anything i do i try to do with a purpose and i noticed that with the billionaires that I was dealing with, they valued the only commodity that they couldn't purchase, time. So they became a lot more selfish with that time. They would only communicate with people that, that they could help. They would only work with people that impact was being made. They were very, very specific with time. I'm 55 years old. I'm not a billionaire. I'm comfortable, but I'm not a billionaire. But at the same time, I look at my life and I go, okay, why would I do that? Why would I buy that CRM? Why would I bother updating my website? Why would I bother sending out that newsletter? Ask yourself the question of why every single thing you do, every step you make, why would I do this? And what am I expecting? And here's the daft thing. You find a lot of people do what they do because that's the way it's always been done. Now, we're in a world where nothing that we've got today was the same six months ago or eight months ago. <laughs> you know, even if it's just an updated, you know, program, if it's a new iOS on your iPhone, if it's a new movie that's watched, everything changes. And so why do you stupidly believe that that should stay the same? So you've really got to analyze what are you trying to achieve? And that's a bigger question. We can get into that in a second. What are you trying to achieve and what are you doing about it? And sadly, when you look at those two things, they do that. You've always done this and you've always got that. And it's like inflation. You've got this and over the years it's becoming worth less and less and less and less. And you've got to sooner your adverts. You're advertising the way you talk to people. Let me give you an example. Let me give you some exact facts. The way we spoke to each other in 2019 was completely different to the way we spoke to each other in 2020 
and 2021. Let me explain. In 2019, you were happy. In 2019, you were comfortable. 2019, you were relaxed. I could come up to you and I could go, hey, Chris, you know, I see what you're doing. It's great. It's great. But it's not good enough. But hey, maybe if we get you involved in this program, you could be doing this. Now, that's called aspirational marketing. Giving you a goal, giving you a, hey, if you do this, you could be wonderful. That's called aspirational marketing. And you use it. And you, once you see it, you'll see this all the time. Ferraris, Porsches, Rolexes, Gucci handbags, all of those status trinkets that say, hey, when you have a Gucci belt, you've made it, my son. You know, it's that aspirational marketing, okay? And then you've got something called solution-based marketing. Now, in 2019, you were happy. You would put up with me trying to manipulate and sell you something. And I could possibly get you feeding off of your greed and your FOMO to go, Chris, if you spend 10 grand on my program, you know, you could be this, okay? But then 2020 came along. And one thing happened to us in 2020. We lost clarity. We didn't know what was going on in politics. We didn't know what was going on with riots. We didn't know what was going to be the end of the tunnel for the pandemic. We knew nothing. And it pissed us all off. We lived in a status of aggravation. Now, at that moment in time, and you think about it, if I phoned you last June, July, and we've done three or four months in COVID, and you don't know when it's going to bloody end. And I was like, Chris, how are you doing? You give me 10 grand and you can be leaning up against this car. You're going to tell me to go fuck myself. <laughs> because at that moment in time, you've had enough. You don't know where the clarity is. You're aggravated. You want peace. You want to know what's going on. As human beings, naturally, we don't like change. How many times have you driven a car or you love a car and then the new model comes out and you go, oh, I don't know if I like that. You know, <laughs> six months down the line, you love it and you buy it. But we don't actually like too much change. That's why a lot of design studios, and probably the most famous one on the planet is Porsche and Volkswagen. Those cars look as though they evolve. They never change much. You could see a Porsche 911 from any angle and know it's a Porsche 911, couldn't you? Yeah, it's one of the absolutely. only... Bingo, because they've understood that they need to evolve to continue their culture. So with us, last year we were pissed off. We had no clarity. Everything was changing. What's going on? We were immensely pissed off and we had a very, very low tolerance level. If I had tried to sell you anything aspirational last year, you'd have told me to go hang myself. Okay? <laughs> so something changed in the way we needed to communicate. If I knocked on your door at 1.30 in the morning, this morning, last June, last November, while you're still going, what's going on with my world? But if I knocked on your door and woke you up at 1.30 in the morning, you would open that door in a state of anger, a state of aggravation. What are you doing waking me up at 1.30 in the morning? But if I said to you, hey, there's been a tax break. There's been a change in interest rates. And only the first 10 people are going to get them. 
and it's going to reduce everything that you pay down to your know, 1% of what you're currently paying now. You're going to save hundreds of thousands of dollars. You'd welcome me in for a cup of tea and a whiskey. Because <laughs> sure. what I've, yeah, you have no one would ever say no. Why? Because I led with a solution. Understand this. At two o'clock in the morning when you've got a bitching headache and you go to the, to the kitchen and you get your headache tablets out, when was the last time you grabbed your headache tablets and went, no, nah, I don't like the packaging. I don't like the logo. <laughs> now we laugh, but you've never done that. Because all you care about, the one thing you care about is that that tablet's going to get rid of your problem. The solution. So today... The way we communicate with each other, especially when we're in a fresh relationship, is you have to lead with a solution. 2020, 2021, and probably 2022, we're morons. We'll forget all of this in 2023. But for the next few years, you've got to focus on solutions. So for anyone in the real estate industry, if you are still trying to get investors by selling and by offering them the aspirate, you can do that. This can happen. Whoa, this can happen. Stop. Start offering them a solution to the pain they're in. Hey, are you looking for regularity? Are you looking for consistency? Are you looking for clarity in your investment? Those are the key words that people want to be hearing today. That's awesome. And I know that you talk in your book about win-win solutions. So you're talking about finding a solution for that investor and coming to them with that, right? Absolutely. Every single time. Let's, let's play a game. All right? Sure. <laughs> So I invite you, AJ, to my house on Saturday because I'm having a house party, okay? I'm having a barbecue and you're in the air and I say, hey, AJ, do you want to come to my party on Saturday? And you say, yes. What's your next question? What time am I coming? All right, perfect. <laughs> what time is it? All right, good question. What's the next question you ask? What should I bring? Bingo. Did you know the first question <laughs> you asked was something selfish? What time is it? Okay. I get people go, what time is it? Who's going to be there? Who will I meet? Those are all selfish questions. Your, your second question was, what should I bring? Any relationship you get involved in, that should be the first question. When you go up to meet someone, you should be thinking, okay, what am I bringing to this party? Mm -hmm. What are they working on? And I've done this. I've gone up to people gone, hey, and, and listen to this carefully. Hey, my name's Steve Sims. You don't know me, but I know you're working on this podcast. How's the distribution? Because I've got a couple of things that I do with my podcast, which has really helped me. Can we go over that? I'm giving you something that is of interest to you because you have a podcast. Anyone you're trying to get a hold of, it doesn't take too much digging to find out what they want. Okay? Now, Backtrack that, rewind that to the first thing because I don't want you to overlook it. Chris, how many of these podcasts have you done? What, 25 or 30 so far? All right. So you're going to get to a stage, if you haven't already, where people are going to come up to you and they're going to go, Chris, yeah, how are you doing? Because they've heard your podcast and they think they know you. And you're stood there like a deer in headlights going, who the fuck's this person? <laughs> uh, who are you? And you're like, did I meet you at a party? Are you a friend of my brother's? Have we done business? Is this a club? And you've got this horrible thing going through your head. And while you're doing this, 
the person that's talking to you is not getting any engagement. You may be going, uh-huh, yeah. But the person's <laughs> there going, Jesus, this person's distant. And will walk off going, well, that guy's a prick, you know? Uh-huh. You, you don't know who that person is. If I walk up to you in a bar and I go, Chris, how are you doing? You don't know me. I'm Steve Sims. You've that, now relaxed. Yeah. You know? And you can go, okay, I don't know him. Then the next question is, well, what do you want? And that's <laughs> when I come in with, I've been listening to your podcast. I love your podcast. How's the distribution? And then I go into focusing on a problem that you may have. You know, I may say to you, hey, I'm loving the podcast. Are you working on a book here? Have you started turning that into a book? You know, I've actually done that a couple of times. Would that be of interest for you to have a chat with me on? You know, you can throw any amount of things in there, but just always concentrate. A relationship is a meeting. What can you bring to the table? Far too many people see someone in a bar, they come, and I've done this, and people say, oh, he's a dick. Warning, <laughs> it's because I am, okay? But they'll come up to me and they'll go, hey, how are you? Uh, Steve Sims. And I'll be, what do you want? And I'll just like, bang, you know? I'll just like put it out there and I'll be like, yeah. And just, I'll shut up. I just want to hear what that person's got. Now, I've got a lot of people that will scuttle off to the other side of the bar and never come anywhere near me again. And then I'll have other people go, oh, I heard you're doing this. I love your book. I know you do. Have you said? And I'll be like, great. Let's get a drink and have a conversation on it. I don't care about what you watched on Netflix last night. I have no care about what takeaway you're getting tonight. I care about what you're doing, what impact you can create for you and for me. So any relationship you ever get into, whether it be real estate investing, whether it be trying to get a deal, whether it be trying to brand yourself, what do you bring to the table and how is that a solution for somebody else's problem? That is just one of the most monumental like philosophies of, you know, a new meeting or even if you don't even know someone, it's, you can just step into that. Like, you know, what can I bring to the party? And I just love that frame of mind. It's, it's such a, a paradigm shift for you know 99% of people out there and that's why I love your book and that's why I love your philosophy it's such a breath of fresh air just a different perspective so you mentioned there was a publicist who encouraged you to write the book was there anyone else in your life that was kind of a mentor or kind of helped you develop the foundations of of your philosophy Mentors, yes. Foundations, no. Because as an entrepreneur, we jump out of the frying pan into the volcano. You know, we leap, <laughs> we leap off the cliff and then hand stitch a parachute halfway down. I have never overthought anything in my life. You know, literally, I was at an event one day and someone said, oh, yeah, I do this podcast. And I'm like, I wonder if I should do a podcast. I went on my Facebook page and said, should I do a podcast? And a bunch of people said yes. And the following day, I grabbed it, a Yeti, you know, which are well known as the worst bloody things out there. I bought a Yeti. I got the wrong program to record the damn thing. And I started recording 10 bad podcasts. Now, the good thing about podcasts 
And this is it. Have you listened to the first ever podcast you ever, ever did? Yeah. <laughs> and how <laughs> shit was that? How bad was it? Oh, right. man. We recorded them once. We're going to redo them. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the whole beauty, you know? I've always said, as entrepreneurs, the first time we do anything, it'll be shit, okay? <laughs> once you give yourself that permission of not trying to come out of the gate with perfection, never understood why someone would put themselves under that pressure, but come out of the gate to just do whatever it just do. It's going to be a big heap of turd, but that's fine because you've progressed. You've started something. And the good thing about podcasts is you don't have to release it, record it, listen to it. My God, that was shit. Push delete. End of problem. Okay? So I've always gone out and I've just done. I've always tried this and gone, oh, God, that wasn't very good. And I noticed another thing about successful-minded people, the billionaires and millionaires, they lean in to failure, okay? Now, this is very, very important for you to, to understand. When something goes wrong for a successfully-minded person, they don't lean back, hold their head, cry and throw a pity party. That's the entrepreneur community. They lean in and go, ooh, where did that go wrong? Yeah, like, now, what can I do better? <laughs> bingo. So that's what you've got to adopt. I do and I fail. And then I do, and I fail. And do you know the beautiful thing about failure? No one remembers it when you eventually got it right. <laughs> you know? So no one cares. So failure is an education on how to make the next one better. And then something goes wrong, and you've just got educated, and it goes wrong, and you've got it, and then you get it right. And you forget the others. So that's, that's the focus I always have. I always try to perpetuate myself. I always try to push. I always try to go for the failure. And I try to get people to understand that they have to start doing. The mentors I've had around my life, I've got as the years have gone on. And I think anyone could be a mentor. I've been at a bus stop with a guy who's suddenly given me a great point of view. And for those three seconds, I was being mentored by him. I've been on racetracks with guys that are brilliant motorcycle riders. And for those 10 minutes that they're talking to me, they've mentored me on a, the idea of a focus and restraint. And then I've been to parties and I've spoke. So I take my mentorship from absolutely tons and tons of people. And I am, as I class myself, I'm a sponge. I will take it all. And then if something doesn't resonate, it can just go straight out of the back end. You know, you don't have to retain that shit. But be open-minded, you know, be open-minded to someone to challenge you. And that's the other thing. That's what you come down to. We far too often look for mentors as the holy grail. You know, I want to be mentored. Steve, can you mentor me? Well, what about your mates? Can they not mentor, your, mentor you? What you need in your life is not cheerleaders. You don't need those people to go, oh, you're wonderful. That's good for your ego, gives you hard on, and that's it. No one cares, okay? It doesn't move the needle. But challenges are different to naysayers. And here's how. You're in a bar, and you say to your mates, hey, I'm going to start a podcast on real estate investing. Your mates turn around and go, oh, what the hell do you know about? You're an idiot. You sound stupid. That ain't going to work. Those are the naysayers in your world that you've got to get rid of. 
the challenger is the one that turns around and says, okay, AJ and Chris, why? Why are you doing that? Why do you think you're in a position to be able to help people? How are you going to formulate it? How often is it going to come out? What's the point? Those people help you refine your goal, what you're doing. Those are the people that help sharpen your sword. Those are the challenges. And I have a lot of those people in my life that I will literally say to them, hey, I'm going to do this. And I'm all excited because I think it's a wonderful idea. And then they'll go, is that the best use of your energy? How much money is it going to make compared to how much time you're going to lose? You know, why do you think you're qualified to do it? Is anyone else out there doing it that is not only better than you, that you couldn't compete with? So why start? You know, the amount of times I've had those conversations have gone, well, hang on a minute. This part of my, my idea of this new company, I'm not doing So I'm going to focus on this little bit here. That's where my unicorn lies. So you need those challenges slash mentors in your life, and you need to be open and be able to get them from absolutely anywhere, including this podcast. Steve, I I love it. I love it. So AJ, I'm going to ask you this question. (laughs) You know, it was your, it's your idea to do the podcast. Why are we doing this podcast? Well, we're, we are here teaching people, giving them more knowledge and gives us a stage to, to talk on. And it's a great thing. It also it provides for us to talk to more people and gain more knowledge. Um, here, jump so in here, Steve. Let's question this reality right here. Well, in the early stages of my business, I threw parties to get into the room of affluent people that I would never normally meet. The sole purpose of a podcast today is for you to be able to give a platform for me to spread my knowledge out and to hopefully get people into my circle, but at the same time for you to be able to chat with people that, again, normally you may never get to meet. So it's a win-win scenario. For me, selfishly, I'm like, all right, these guys have got an upcoming podcast. Maybe there's a couple of people on there that need coaching, need to be in my inner circle. Maybe I can help those. Those are coming to my group. Maybe they'll buy a couple of books, whatever. So I've got gain. Your gain is to use my name to get a bit more popularity and credibility and reach within your podcast. So I think it's a good reason to do it. Just don't try and complicate it or cover it. The worst one is when people are stood there and they're going, well, I just want to give back to the world. Bullshit. (laughs) What you want to do is you want to raise your profile so that the next real estate fund you've got coming out, you've already got credibility, you know? So let's call it what it is. A spade's a spade. I like it. I completely agree. And as well, you know, next time we see you, Steve, we can be like, hey, I'm Chris Shepard. You don't know me, but <laughs> we did this podcast a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should, because I'm often confused. with. I meet so many people. Oh, I'm sure. I'm like, yeah, I get. I had there was a famous one that I had. I went out for a party, and this guy came along to the party, and I spent all night drinking with him, laughing. Great guy, got on with the guy brilliantly. And at the end of the night, I said to him, well, "We should connect and get out and do more of this." And he said, "Well, you have my details." And I said, "How do I?" He said, "I've been your client for three years." And <laughs> because I'd never met him face to face, I had no idea. So. It was very funny that he was actually already my client. 
That is awesome. Well, Steve, it has been amazing. We, I think it's time for our last four questions. AJ, do you want to start us off? Absolutely. So Steve, I know that you've already given a lot of advice, but if you were going to give your 25-year-old self a piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Easy. Stay off the shit whiskey. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't Whis- want to... Whiskey is fine, but just the crap stuff's no good? Just the cheap stuff. Yeah, get rid of that and watch your guts. I don't want my younger self to miss out on all the empowerment he's going to get from all the mistakes he makes. And to remove yourself of that would be doing myself a disservice. So just stay off the bad whiskey. (laughs) I like it. I love it. Okay. And so you were a bricklayer or your father was a bricklayer. So you came from that construction background. But when you were growing up, what was your first entrepreneurial endeavor? Oh, uh, car washing. I used to go around to people the day after it rained. Now, bearing in mind, I'm living in England, so it rained every bloody day. Every day. But <laughs> I would go out to them and I'd be like, hey, you going out in the next few days, you're going to want to be in a shiny car. Let me clean it. And uh, so I would do car cleaning on the side. Nice. That is a good one. And I know that we've heard a little bit about your training, but how has your formal and informal training shaped your journey? It's not taught me the habits that I should have ignored. The trouble is with education, is education is based on a 10-year curriculum. Nothing that we do today will be relevant in 10 years. Nothing that we do today will be relevant in three years, okay? So there's a lot of education, fixed education that we get today, especially with kids in school today, which is completely irrelevant. So the fact that I never had a formal education the fact that I never had anyone teaching me this stuff, I was able to, to, to do, fail, and learn faster than had I gone on a six-month to six-year course on doing it. In fact, what makes me really laugh is I was kicked out of school at the age of 15, but I have lectured at Harvard twice. <laughs> That's funny. That's awesome. Wow. Okay. So... Normally, we ask our last question to real estate investors, but since you're not exactly a real estate investor, we'll modify the question a touch. So what opportunity was the one that got away? What was your Moby Dick of business or of life, the one that got away? Wow. I don't recall because... (laughs) I remember a, and I'm going to flip the question slightly. It wasn't so much because when a a deal goes away that you didn't get, you can learn how you didn't get it. Mm -hmm. And then the next deal that comes along, you get because you remember how you lost the first one. So again, Mm -hmm. it was that education. My education, my pain came from not losing a deal. My pain came from my most memorable pain came from getting a deal. (laughs) Yeah. I got a deal that was so jam-packed with celebrities and worldwide notoriety. One of the most famous events in the planet. And I was so starstruck that it burnt me in the ass by me taking that contract. And... It was that one that taught me that I led with my eyes and not my gut. 
And that was the one that always taught me from them. So from, you look at something and you go, oh, look at this. This is shiny. I'm going to have this. And you don't think. And I think your gut is where a lot of your intelligence lays. How many times have you bumped into someone and everything looks good? You know, pretty girl, pretty watch, nice car. And you go, there's something funny about this guy. I don't know what it is, but I can't put my... Actually, your gut talking. Trust your gut. Forget your eyeballs. That's I it. love that. That's a great answer to that question. We've definitely had a lot of people that have said, like, you know, for, I forget all the ones that I've lost. I'm focused more on the future, and I think that your insight on that is is awesome. Well, Steve, it's been wonderful talking to you. Really appreciate you coming on, and really just love everything that you have to say. Can you tell our listeners like where else they can find you? I know that you mentioned your mastermind. You want to tell us a little bit about that and everything else you've got going on. Yeah, I've got a website, stevedsims.com, and there's only one M in Sims. Don't forget the D in the middle for dashing. So I've got stevedsims.com there. Simsdistillery.com is my inner circle where I do a lot of communication and live training with all the members. And I have an event called Sims Speakeasy where I actually get a maximum of 40 people together, get them uncomfortable, introduce them to superstars, and really work on making them more effective. My next one's in San Diego, the 19th and 20th of July. I do them all over America. I am going to go international, but I haven't started doing that yet. Oh, but here's, here's, a, free, here's a freebie for you. If you. I have a Facebook group called An Entrepreneur's Advantage with Steve Sims. Free of charge, and I throw a ton of shit in there of what makes me happy, what pisses me off, what worked, what didn't work. And we do a lot of live AMAs in there as well. That is awesome. I'm disappointed that the distillery is not making great whiskey. When, uh, when's that coming out? <laughs> you know, funny enough, I've been getting people knocking on my door asking if I would like to do a co-branded whiskey or coffee. So who knows what's going to happen? Well, AJ and I do a little bit of beer brewing. So if you ever come up to Portland, we'd love to have you out to our brewery and we can have a beer and chat. There you go. My, my son's a great fan of the Oregon beers, so mm. maybe that'll happen one day. All right. Days. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Professionals Investing Podcast on WIN, your community for investing knowledge for growth. Please take a second to rate us so that we can get more great investors to interview. If you or someone you know wants to be on, please go to westsideinvestors.com and fill out our form.